I just remember going to the playoffs. Avery's like, okay, the handcuffs are off. Like, do what you do. You're not going to hear from me. You're not going to, like, just go. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Mavs Archives. I'm here today with a very special guest, a, a former player who spent three stints with the Mavs, a Guinness World Record holder, former NBA All-Star, Devin Harris. Devin, how are you doing today? Doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks. I really appreciate it that, uh, that you're here, and I'm glad to hear you're doing well. So, yeah, like I briefed you on before, I really just wanted to dive right into to your Mavs career. So I want to go all the way back to draft night 2004 um, when you were selected number five by Washington but as uh, from my own memory and as what I was watching when I was doing some research at the time you really didn't know where you were going to be going once your name was called so um, can you walk me through your your draft night experience Uh, yeah it was a little bit weird all the teams that I worked out for or thought I could be headed in the direction uh, all that kind of went away. Well, I think when Phoenix traded their pick mm-hmm. uh, the night before. And honestly, walking into draft night, I had no idea where I was headed. Um, it was just one of those like scary times where you, you, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, draft st- uh, stats and, and where you expected to go. And, and all that really didn't make any sense to me because, I'm basing on logic. Okay. I worked out for this team. I had a good workout, you know, mm-hmm. worked out for this team, had a good workout. None of those teams are in the parameters <laughs> of where I was supposed to go. So, uh, just sitting down, it was like, um, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, you know, I did have the feeling that I wouldn't be there long. Um, and I knew that I did have a good, uh, a meeting with Don Cockstein um, uh, that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like one of those last minute things like, Hey, the Mavs, a sports psychologist wants to speak to you. Um, and I remember that conversation we had, so that wasn't really on my radar at all. Um, and sure enough, after Sean, um, one of my good friends got drafted for with the Clippers, mm-hmm. I got, I got a phone call from Mark Cuban and said, are you ready to come to Dallas? I said, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, now you had to go through the whole set. Cause I think, you know, with the, the way the draft rules go, you can't trade your, your pick two years in a row. So I had to go through the whole process like I was going to Washington before the trade was announced. So I had to actually do two rounds of media that day. Oh, wow. One, one was to go through all the Washington stuff. And then as the trade was announced that I had to go back through and do all the Dallas stuff, <laughs> um, which I was happy to do. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it was, it was just a great experience, a great night. Really cool. So once you found out you were coming to the Mavs, was there like, a week or two there where you thought you were going to be Steve Nash's backup or, or you thought that was a possibility maybe? Uh, honestly, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I just, I remember like just one thinking about, man, how lucky am I to be a top five pick and go into a playoff team to like, they're one of my favorite teams, love watching them. Um, and just happy to be in that situation. Cause I can't, how many times do you get to be in that position? to be a top five pick and go to a team that won, you know, 55 games a year before. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah. That's definitely a good situation to go to. Um, so that summer, summer 2004, 
Um, and I actually remember this because I, I was there. The Mavs, I, you were on the summer league team, but the Mavs organized some scrimmages against the Chinese national team. And uh, I went to one of those at SMU. And my friends and I still talk about it to this day, especially when we were watching you play. We say, man, do you remember that dunk that Devin threw down against the Chinese national team? And I, I, I didn't think I would find it online, and I didn't. I was praying that there was video of it somewhere, but it's only – ingrained in my memory now but um do you remember those scrimmages and uh you know that that whole experience and i i don't know if it was on yao i feel like he wasn't playing that night but it was a long time uh, ago but i remember being in the crowd yeah it wasn't on Yao. i don't think he played okay. any of those exhibition games uh okay. i remember uh the practices and going against the the chinese national team i, I remember i think dell was coaching mm-hmm. um and I think Josh was playing as well. And, and that's kind of when our relationship started, you know, going against those scrimmages. And I just remember being excited and just wanting to prove myself. And, you know, back then I was really jumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I had the opportunity to, to, to finish one. And I just remember just, you know, like, oh, this is what it's about. Like the crowd was going crazy. It was, it was a fun game. I think we went in both games. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great way to in- introduce that, that style of play. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, uh, I'm still friends with the guys I went with that night. And uh, every once in a while, we still talk about that dunk and how awesome it was. So I wanted to ask you about that. So from moving from that summer to that fall, your rookie year training camp, what was that experience like? I know it was um, Nelly's last year as the Mavs coach. So you were, I guess, his last his last rookie when he was a coach of the Mavs. So what was that experience like coming to a team that uh, you know, had lost, had lost Steve Nash in, in free agency. And, and now it there was a, a new backcourt mainly with, with you and Jet. Uh, you know, training camp was, was fine. Um, getting through it. Uh, I remember the two a days were like really heavy on my legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a groin injury at the time, but I kind of pushed through cause I felt like I just needed to be on the court to kind of continue to learn. And, uh, and just really understand like what was being asked of me and, you know, it, it wasn't easy by, by any means. Uh, Nelly was really hard on rookies. I remember him just just different things. Like he would call guys over and like ask their opinion. And then he would look at me and was like, Rook, I don't want to hear from you. You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, the whole training camp experience was, was fun. Um, I learned a lot. And, you know, I think I did enough. And he kind of surprised me the the night after I think our final exhibition game to kind of start me mm-hmm. on on opening night. So that that kind of was like a you know a, a cool point for me. Um, yeah, you know, coming into a situation where you know nothing was given, nothing was expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that must have been pretty pretty memorable for you. And I remember that game. I think it was against Sacramento that that opening night. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember that game and you start. And so that was that was fun. Um, so then, but later that year in the spring, Nelly stepped down and Avery stepped up as coach. Um, was that a surprise to you? Like when that, when that change was announced? Uh, it was a surprise, but it wasn't a shock. Mm-hmm. Before he officially took over, which I think was after the All-Star break, they were kind of, how do I put it? Kind of shifting between the two. Like Nelly would take 10 games off and Avery would coach. Mm-hmm. And then Nelly oh, would wow. come back and coach 10 games. And then Avery would go back to assistant. And they were like, I think they did it maybe like once or twice. And then after all-star break, they just kind of, you know, moved Avery into that, um, 
permanent role. And during that course, it was a really hard time for me because my playing time was really kind of up and down mm-hmm. um, because it got to the point where Nelly wasn't playing me at all. Mm-hmm. But then when Avery would coach, he would play me. But then when Nelly would come back, I would go not back to not oh, playing. Wow. So Interesting. It was, yeah. it was it was a really up and down first year for me. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. Um, I do remember you had some some great highlights from your rookie year. I know you threw one down on Birdman. Um, I remember watching that game and just a few others. So even though your your minutes were sporadic, when you did get on the court, some exciting things did happen. So that that was a that was fun from a from a fan experience. No, it, it was, and I would say with the sporadic playing time, there's there's also excitement and fresh legs and yeah, wanting to make an impact and. You know, I'm actually glad that, you know, it was a lot of rookies, you know, they just get to thrown out there and get to play through their mistakes. I, I didn't have that learning experience. I really had to earn every minute that I, that I was given. And, you know, one of the blessings and the curses of going to a playoff team is like, you know, they have guys that have been making an impact, you know, and I had, had to learn a different kind of way to find a way to get on the court and make my impact. And I think that made me better for it. Absolutely, it did. Um, moving on to, I wanted to move on to that stretch of your career, your second and third years where the Mavs had a lot of great success and playoff success and regular season success, but ultimately didn't win the title. But, you know, um, and I know a lot's been said about those, those years and everything, but, uh, you know, what, what did you take away from them? And what, what do you remember most about that two-year stretch where obviously you guys went to the finals in 2006 and then the whole 67 win team in 2007, like what was, uh, what are things that stick out to you when you think about that, that time frame? Uh, for me personally, uh, I learned how to play winning basketball, mm-hmm. um, at a high rate. Um, I learned how to play the point guard position. Um, you know, Avery Johnson was instrumental in teaching me one, how to run a team two how to read a pick and roll, um, and, and do it at a high level. And then you, you couple that with, you know, the defensive, your prize that I had at the time, you know, I really learned how to play what what it's like to play, you know, 60 win, you know, basketball Mm -hmm. at at a high level. And those were the best years, obviously, of my career, as far as a winning standpoint, but just Mm -hmm. the relationships that were developed over that course in time, you know, the Jerry Stackhouse's of the world, you know, the Josh Howard's and Marquis Daniels guys that I still talk to, Mm -hmm. to this day, as well as Dirk and Jet. Um, You know, it's nothing like when you, you know, you win and, and the time that you spend with those guys, I mean, it's, it's unmatched. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that, those were some of the most fun times I've had as a fan. Like I said, a lot of exciting basketball. So there's one sequence that happened in the 2006 playoffs. Um, and I was glad I was able to find some footage of it online. It was against the Spurs, um, at the AAC and it was an overtime and Dirk grabbed a rebound and threw it to you. And the cameraman like lost track of you. So you just see like the empty court and he finally realizes that he, that, that he lost track of you and moves and you just see like the very last second of you scoring. And it was like a huge basket in overtime. Uh, do, do you remember that? Or was, was that uh, something that was mentioned to you at the time? Cause the footage of it is actually really funny. I just remember, you know, obviously with the Spurs, it was kind of like my unleashing Avery, you know uh, at that point I was still kind of starting, not starting. I had missed a, a big part of the season that year with the thigh injury. Um, but I'd had a lot of success against the Spurs during that season. And I just remember going to the playoffs. Avery was like, okay, the handcuffs are off. Like, do what you do. You're not going to hear from me. You're not going to, like, just go. And I just remember, like, just finally, like, I've been waiting for this. Uh, and 
you know, not being able to play through mistakes at that point in time, which I wasn't allowed to do, you know, the first, you know, season and a half of my career mm-hmm. and just him taking the reins off during that series, like it kind of grew as a basketball player. And that play specifically is just another thing. Like I just, I saw green light, I saw space and just kind of just took off. And that, you know, being a, a Guinness Book World Record holder, you can see where that comes from in a play like that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that was really cool. And it was nice to, to be able to find that, that footage online and just remember it exactly how I remembered it when it happened. So then the next year obviously was the last year of your, your first stint in Dallas when you were traded for Jason Kidd. And um, as I was researching it and like, I remember when it happened, it was around the all-star break, but I had, I had forgotten that you were, you were injured at that time. Um, and then there were multiple holdups to the trade. So I'm curious, like one, you're not playing, but two, you're like pretty sure you're going to be traded, but it hasn't happened yet, but it might not happen. What's going through your mind when, when you're like, just in terms of obviously your career and where am I going to live? Like what's going through your mind at that as a, as a young player? Uh, mentally, that was probably one of the toughest parts of my yeah. career. Uh, one, because obviously I'm injured. Mm-hmm. Two, because it's everywhere, right? Wake up yes. every morning and, and yes. they're talking about it on ESPN. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like, I, it's not, I can't do anything about it. You know, it's like I could get on the court and play better because I couldn't. Mm. And then, you know, also teams like protect themselves, you know, so you go going in every day and like, oh yeah, we're not, like, don't believe everything that you're hearing. Like, we're not really trying to trade you. And typically that's a telltale sign that they're really trying to trade you. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was just tough to, to handle that. And, you know, I had grown with a lot of relationships and especially with the, you know, the staff and guys like Casey Smith and Dion. So I'm spending, you know, ample time with those guys on a, on a daily basis and just being in that environment. And I, I still can remember when the first trade went through, but didn't really go through, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, oh, they still made me come to the arena, but I couldn't sit on the bench. I had to watch the game from the suite. Oh, geez. Yeah. And it was just, and then, you know, when you go through that process, like, okay, you're mentally like, okay, I'm, I'm headed to a different team. Wait, no, you're not. You got to come back to us. And that was like the game before the all-star break. So just really having it up in the air and then going on all-star break. I think I spent that all-star break in Vegas um, with Casey and we trained every day mm-hmm. to kind of, cause I think I was healthy enough to come back right after all-star break. That was the plan. So I'm training like crazy to get back in shape and get ready. And then obviously as I get, finally get back, then it does go through. It, it was just a bit of a whirlwind and not everybody has crazy trade experience like that, but it, it kind of really let me know how much of a business it really is, you know, regardless of the personal relationships and, you know, how I feel about the team in the city. Like, you know, they, they felt like, and I had a conversation with Donnie, you know, it was, it was the move that they felt like they needed to make. I think that was the same time where Paul Gasol went to the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of felt like, Hey, we need to step up and do, you know, bolster up our, our style power a little bit. And, you know, that's what they felt they needed to do at the time. And, you know, that's just, you know, the way, the way the direction went. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh, it was interesting reading about the, just the, the multiple hangups that happened. I know there was the Devin George contract situation. And then Jerry Stackhouse made some comments about uh, 
going to New Jersey, but then getting bought out and then just having to wait 30 days and him coming back to Dallas and the league didn't like that. And then they resurrected Keith Van Horn's contract to make the deal happen. (laughs) And it's just so interesting how, uh, how that all unfolded. So it it was, uh, I appreciated you sharing your, your um, memories and feedback on it. So you're with the Nets for a couple years, um, and there was a memorable game against the Mavericks. I think you were finally fully healthy the next year, mm-hmm. and um, I th- it was four. You had forty something points, maybe forty one or forty four. But uh, the uh, the crowd was chanting "Thank you, Cuban," for for basically because at the time, at least like statistically, it looked like you were outperforming Jason Kidd. So uh, what, what do you remember about about that game and like a chip on your shoulder that night? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I just remember, like we talked about with Avery taking the reins off, Lawrence yeah. Frank giving me the keys that season and allowing me to really tap into more of an offensive, uh, you know, repertoire. Like I was, you know, able to just really pray as freely as I ever have and use every ability that I, that I had grown up until that point. So a lot of build up in that up until that game, like I was playing at extremely high level. I was really understanding what it was like to be a number one option, number two option with Vince. Um, and I kept remembering my teammates that morning was like, yes, say I didn't, I did have that game circled. I was yeah. <laughs> for that game. Um, and, you know, when I finally got here, it was, you know, nothing needed to be said. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was so jacked up. I was so ready. Um, I told I told Lawrence that morning at the shooter, I'm like, you can play me 48 minutes tonight. I am so ready to go. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And it was, you know, it was just one of those things. Like, I just wanted to prove, like, and, and every player does that's been traded. Like, you want to prove that they made a mistake, right? You want to mm-hmm. go and show them, like, and, th- and that was my whole point. Um, and nothing gets Jason because Jason, I mean, he's had a hell of a career. He's a hell of a basketball player. But for that one night, I was going to be like, you know what, I'm going to show you know, why, why they made a mistake. And, you know, I got off to a good start. And, you know, once I saw a few jump shots go in and I may have had a, an inclination of how they were going to play me from the pick and roll that night. Mm-hmm. And once I, I once I, you know, I saw that, it was just kind of off to the races at that point. Yeah, well, that, that uh, <laughs> that's awesome to hear. And uh, just from a basketball fan perspective, it was fun to watch, even though it was against my favorite team. It was, uh, it was fun to watch just from a, from a fan perspective. Um, so after New Jersey, oh, actually, actually I had one more Nets question. So that um, game winner you had against the Sixers from half court where you got the shot off with like a hundredth of a second left or something like that. I remember watching that because I remember I was in college at the time and um, I had my laptop open in the library and I was watching it on some very like, this is like 2009, some very old, like grainy streaming site that probably isn't legal, but I was able to get a feed of the game at that time. And I, I remember um, I kind of, ha- I saw that it was close. So I turned it on and saw maybe the, just the last minute of the game. And I saw you make that shot and I can remember where I was in the, in the library of my college, but uh, um, was that the craziest shot you hit in your life? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for so many, so many different reasons. And, you know, when, when you're entrusted to close out a game, like you never want to, you know, feel like the team lost because of you. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't realize is I'm the guy that filed Iguodala the okay. play before that to put him yeah. on the line. And that's how they got up too. So you always want a chance to make up for, for that mistake. 
right? And mm-hmm. you know, he hit the two free throws. I don't, I can't remember exactly how much time was left when I got the ball, but at that point, I'm like, there's no way I can get a shot off. You know, I'm fast, but I'm not that fast. So my initial, like, what I was trying to do initially was to draw a foul, mm-hmm. which honestly, I think I did. I think he did foul me. Mm-hmm. Um, as you see, I, I lost the ball for like a half of a second where it was kind of just floating. At that point, I'm just chucking it. Yeah. Uh, once I don't hear the whistle. <laughs> and the crazy part is I really didn't even see the rim. Because <laughs> his body is kind of blocking me from. Yeah. So I'm just, I kind of just chuck it and I'm kind of veer off to the side. And then the ball goes in. And, you know, my initial reaction, I'm looking at the ref. She's already like saying it's not good. So it's not even really a chance to celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, that's a waste of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of a crazy shot. But then, yeah. you know, they end up, and I, I just learned this too. Uh, this was the first time I think in, in the NBA where they used instant replay to correct a shot from being not good to good. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, just re- I just learned that recently. Uh, and obviously we, we saw the rest of what happened that, but it wasn't even like you see some game winners where like you hit a crazy shot, you know, you, you run up on the scores bench to kind of celebrate. It was kind of like they took the air out of my celebration by the, by the whole, you know, instant <laughs> replay. We had to wait like, like six minutes. Yeah. It was a while. Celebrate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, no, that that's cool. And uh, definitely one of the craziest shots I've ever seen. And I remember exactly where I was when, the, when that happened. Um so I know after your time with the Nets, you spent some time in Utah, a season in Atlanta, but then in 2013, you come back to Dallas. Was that something you had always hoped would happen, or did you just think your your Dallas days were were done um, prior to that off season? Uh, you know, I had ran into to Mark a couple of times in the summer, mm-hmm. and we'd always like, "Hey, Mark, I'm I'm ready to come back." He was like, "Hey, Dev, we're trying to get you back," but. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. never seemed to, to work out you know I, I thought the the trade from new jersey to utah um that was not supposed to happen when i okay. went to bed that, when i went to bed that night i was under the impression my agent was under the impression that in the morning the trade be announced that they come back to dallas i, I think it was for quran and maybe like a first round pick or something Interesting. like that. Okay. Um, so as I went to bed, I'm like, okay, like Dallas, like I'm ready. Here I come. I wake up and my agent's calling me and he's like, Dev. And I'm like, what Jeff? It's <laughs> like, so last night, uh, some things happened that I did not expect to happen. Uh, I'm like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, Utah made Darren available. And that's nothing that anybody ever saw coming. So they made a deal with New Jersey. You're headed to Utah. Wow. And I was just like quiet for like five minutes. <laughs> and he was like, are you there? I'm like, yep. He's like, are you going to fire me? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, wow. I hang up the phone and I, and I just try to process like what just happened um you know it took me about a half a day to kind of you know go through that mental like okay like it's not gonna happen as you thought still got to make the best out of a situation you know put my big point pants on and pack up my stuff and then I you know I head to Utah 
but what's really like it still kind of hurts a little bit is that's the year that they win the championship right yes yeah okay I didn't think about that, but as soon as you were heading that way, I was like, oh, wait, that's when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Darren, which I'm still close friends with now, like, Mm -hmm. and he even said he didn't even know. It's not something he requested. It's just one of those things. And and New Jersey was really, really looking to make a splash. They were trying to, I was in trade rumors all season with the whole Carmelo situation, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody, you know, was expecting me to go to Denver. And, you know, Carmelo wasn't willing to concede to that. So they, We'll say they settled, but they, they set their sights on Darren, which obviously was, was a good move for them, uh, especially moving to a new building and all that. But yeah, I just, uh, everybody asked like, oh, weren't you on that 2011 team? I was like, no, but I was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, that must, yeah. I could see why that would sting a little bit. Um, yeah. So eventually you did make your way back here though and had a, stretch of several seasons where um you know the Mavs were especially when you first came back uh a successful team again um you know you guys had that great seven game series versus Spurs in 2014 and Dirk was still he was getting up there but still pretty productive and but uh I wanted to ask you there were a couple of Mavs that it seemed like you had uh really good chemistry with during that that second stint here um, one of them obviously was JJ Barea with you guys always doing that, that back cut and transition. Um, how did, how did that develop with, is that something that just kind of started in practice and then you decided to implement it in the game or just, and at least once a game, I feel like you could count on it for a bucket. We, we did. It actually started, uh, so the first season that JJ came back, um, it was a game in Denver, mm-hmm. um, where it just, it was a natural, natural play. Um, you know, I think we got Gary Harris with it one time. He was overplaying and it just sort of happened and was like, Hey, we could probably do this a little bit more often. <laughs> and, you know, we, we just really started to, you know, play with it with different sides of the, not different sides of the floor, but different points in the floor. But it got to a point where like we start running it as a set play. And at least, like I said, once a game, sometimes we try to get it twice where we would just set it up on the right side and we would put both bigs up. Um, to clear out the paint and literally I would just you know trot down the court like nothing's going on and he would take like two dribbles and then just back door whoop gone and it's just a bucket it's just a, a read and you know we we even started playing with it where I would run the point and then he would back door mm-hmm. and it was just a level of a basketball IQ and you know I, I've always loved JJ like when JJ came in I was like I think I was a third year player at the time and you know I was happy that that we got him because then that took some of the pressure off me with Avery mm-hmm. and Avery would now he, he had a new kind of whipping boy in a sense and it was JJ <laughs> right and I, I knew what that felt like for the last two years so that kind of bonded us in a sense I told him like hey there's a me- method to his madness like you know just got to fight through what he's trying to do it's going to make you a better player for it and you know we stayed in touch even when I wasn't on the team and and when I obviously I came back first and then he followed suit it was like you know we were always together and it's just you know we had that natural chemistry on the on the court yeah, definitely. Both you guys did. And uh, it was fun to watch. I always got a kick out of that play anytime it happened. So um, it was fun to, to talk to you about that. Another guy that you had chemistry with, and I had him on the podcast a little over a year ago, Brandon Wright. I know um, it was just about a year and a half maybe you guys played together, but I feel like, and he even said that like he thought maybe you were one of the best lob throwers to him on, on the team. So uh, 
you know, what, what are your, what are your memories about playing with him? He was one of my favorites. And um, I also know he was the reason you couldn't get 34 back when you initially came back. Yeah. So uh, it was actually the, the half season that I sat out because of my foot surgery um, coming into a, a new team. I was able to watch for half a season of really, okay, I see how they're playing. I see who we have. I see how, you know, who's useful. You know, how can I make an impact when I come back? Mm-hmm. And he's one of the cute guys that I, I kind of keyed on. I'm like, this guy is a walking alley-oop, right? Yeah. He can jump, jump out of the gym, athletic. He understands where to be. And I was like, you know, when I do come back, the like, teams are going to have to make a decision. With my ability to get to the rim and how quick I am, it's either a layup for me or if the big guy comes over, it's going to be a lob for him. Yeah. And because he's so athletic, you know, guys on the backside are too small to do anything with him. And, and once I got back and, and once we started to build that chemistry, it got to a point where I was just like, I would try to overthrow him. I would literally try to throw a lot <laughs> to see how how high I could throw it. And I, I wasn't able to do it. Like literally the corner of the backboard, he would still go up and get it. His athleticism <laughs> was just, it was insane. And he was one of the, like, we obviously traded him away for the Rondo trade, but he was yeah. one of the guys that, that I missed the most because that connection that we had was just, it, it was easy and it was great. And I just, I, it was an exciting play, but like, he was just, it was, I can't even put into words, like how, how easy it was to have him as a teammate. Yeah. No, that, uh, that stretch of time where, where, you know, him and Tyson, it was just like alley-oops all the time was, it was a fun, a fun period for sure. During your your second stretch with the Mavs at the uh, trade deadline of 2018, you were traded to Denver. Was that something that caught you off guard, or um, I, I I remember reading like you know they were trying to put you in like a like a promising situation where you could play some competitive basketball, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the, the second time a team trades you is a little bit easier, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, I mean. In, in the season, I, the Mavs were kind of going in a different direction. Yeah. Um, you know, they weren't really competitive at that point. And it was tough to go. And that particular season was tough for me, too, because that was a season that I lost my brother. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. And then, sorry about yeah. that. And obviously having to leave the kids um, after, like, that was that was kind of the toughest part of that. But it was also exciting because, yeah, I was going to play competitive basketball at a team that was trying to make the playoffs. and. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get up in age, you know, meaningful basketball, like you can't get enough of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think this was, you know, one of those I think seasons with the Mavs, like they they, they were headed for their, you know, another season of not, not making the playoffs, and you know, they wanted to play young guys and, and all that, and to be able to put in that position to go to Denver and and really try to play for something in the, the season, like I I, I thank them for that because that's obviously, you so said you can't get enough of that, especially when you're getting up in, in age and you know when you haven't won a championship, you know, you want as many cracks at the playoffs as you can get. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looked like you had a pretty productive stint in Denver as well. So I saw some of your highlights when I was just doing a little bit of research. So it looked like it was a fun time. Um, but then that summer you came back to Dallas and uh, for, for the third stint, um, was that again, like I'm, you just kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm assuming like the, the children, your children played a factor in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, they it got to a point where they were just kind of settling in. And um, as we were looking into free agency that year, I, I think it was going to be one of those where like, okay, if I had, if I end up anywhere else, like they're going to stay put. And then this is going to be me kind of moving around. Um, and I was not expecting to end back up in Dallas that for that third stint. But I think they had a situation where I think Yogi kind of backed out of his right. Yeah, his he did. Yeah. 
and, and then the door kind of opened up at the, at that point, I think I was headed to Cleveland, but then they came calling and was like, Hey, how, how about another shot at it? I'm like, you have to tell me twice. I'm on the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's cool. And then um, I know, and this kind of leads me into my next question. So your last year in Dallas also happened to be Dirk's last year in his, in his career. And as I was um, just preparing for this and watching some old footage, I just, I started to notice that like you were on the court for a lot, just a lot of big Dirk moments. Um, I think you assisted to him on his 30,000th point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were there for his last bucket in San Antonio. And then even another thing that was interesting when he became the Mavs all-time leading scorer, it was against the Nets when you were playing for New Jersey. So I, I don't think you were on the court at that time, but I know you played that game and just, you know, all the other countless Dirk memories. So, you know, if you had to just briefly summarize your time with him, like how would you do that? And just, you know, what he meant to you and, and to your career? Uh, I would say we didn't get off to a great start, you know, and I think that was a tough part of his career, obviously when he lost Steve mm-hmm. um, and then coming in at this, this new point guard that, you know, wasn't necessarily a, a pass first guy, you know, you know, he had to adjust to me and I, you know, didn't really understand how to play with him in my first set. You know, I, I was more concerned with myself at that point and just, you know, how can I make an impact and how can I become better as opposed to playing with all the guys and, and understanding like how good of a player he really is. Um, and that's, one of the big reasons I wanted to come back for the second stint. Because uh, when you go through your career and you, and you play on teams, you know, some good, some bad, you start to appreciate the guys that you played with, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could appreciate what Dirk brought to the game and how hard he worked. So I want another shot at it. And the second time around, I understood how to play with him. I understood how to get him shots. I And honestly, I think that was one of the big part reasons I got traded to begin with because it, it wasn't uh, – a situation where he felt like he was getting what he needed out of me. And at that point I was more of a scoring guard more than, a, than an actual point guard. But, you know, as you get older and wiser, you, you understand how to play the game at a more higher level. And I understood how to get him shots and I understood how to play with them. And I was excited to come back. And I think from that point on our relationship grew. And also I think he was, he was a better leader at that point. You know, he was, he had grew and going through obviously winning a championship and understanding, you know, what it took to, to play with guys and different guys. So I think the second stint was better for both of us and, and kind of how our friendship grew. And it was just awesome to watch those special moments mm-hmm. um, late in his career, you know, having a front row seat. to you know, we're talking about the, the number six score of all time. Um, and just the way he ended his career was, was, was really beautiful and able to, to speak you know, on his last home game, to be able to watch his last bucket. I mean, that's something that I always remember. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's really, really cool that you got to be there for that and how your relationship evolved over time. So thank you for sharing with that. So I know and this is something I, I actually, I've been, I've wanted to ask guests of mine that I always keep forgetting. So your last game was also his last game. But obviously he knew that that was his last game. And I remember after that offseason, you were hoping to latch on somewhere and maybe play another year. How rare is it for an NBA player to play their last game knowing it's their last game? (laughs) I think it's super rare. Uh, Most guys um, don't get to choose how it ends, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Dirk was obviously he knew what his head. We didn't know. 
right uh until the last i think home game where he announced it um you know Dwayne guys like Dwayne Wade they know yeah um but a lot of other players like it's like it stops when you know nobody calls anymore right it stops mm-hmm. when you know when other people decide that it stops very rarely do you get that opportunity to to call it a day and and most guys i still feel like they when it's ending they still feel like they can play right mm-hmm. they still feel like they can contribute but it's you know other teams they want to go younger they don't want to pay the salary like whatever and it's like you know it's it's in their hands as opposed to a player ending it on his own terms yeah no that, that makes sense and uh i i figured that was the case but it's just something i like i said I, I think about and hadn't had the always forgot to ask but i'm glad i wrote it down to ask this time um so thank you for for sharing that um and i i, I heard you mentioned something similar I think it was actually right before your last season, but as I was doing some research, I listened to like a, a road trip and podcast you did with Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry, and you guys mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that or something similar along those lines. So um, thank you for sharing that. So I know this past season, Mavs fans were, you know, treated to seeing you on Bally sports. Um, so uh, is that something you're going to do in this upcoming season or, you know, what else occupies your time uh, in, during your retirement these days? Uh, yes, they can expect to see me again. Uh, okay, cool something uh i wasn't expecting um yeah. so it just kind of came about but i enjoy doing it um i felt like i learned a lot in my first season um it's like you're starting over uh it's like i'm a rookie in, in training camp all over again it's you know <laughs> it's still basketball but it's still, it's still a lot to learn but i feel like i got better over the course of the year and they wanted me back and i enjoy doing it so yeah i'll definitely be around for that and uh other than that and then uh you know i got three kids that, uh, that I'm chasing around and <laughs> uh, that takes up the majority of my time. Yeah. Um, and then, but I'm also trying to, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do some Nets games as well. Oh, cool. Um, uh, as we talked about my, my good friend, my good buddy, Richard Jefferson, who's <laughs> kill, killing it in the sports analyst games. He's been pushing <laughs> me to do more. Yeah. Um, and he calls a lot of Nets games and it's a time for us to kind of spend more time together. So I'll be making some some trips out there to kind of do some some analyst stuff and you know hang out with him and you know that's that's kind of the bulk of it right now. That's awesome. That no that that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to see you on uh, some more Mavs coverage as well. So I think fans will be too. Thank you so much for our, your time today. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. But one of the things I wanted to do is this is how I typically um, wrap up every episode. So what I'm looking at right now is the. Um, the re- regular season and playoff roster for, from your rookie year, 2004, 2005, including you, there's 16 names on it that played a game during that, at least one game during that season from your rookie year. I wanted to see how many of them you can name. So some of these guys played maybe like four games or all 82. Uh, okay. Uh, Jason Terry, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Marquise Daniels, Josh Howard, Alan Henderson. Yeah, he's there. Uh, Sean Bradley. Dan Dick, I was on that. Yeah. Although I don't rookie year. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. Oh, Calvin Booth. Yep. Is there any other rookie? Six well, more. Pavel, but I don't think does he count. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, he was there. Okay. He, yeah, he's on. I don't, it. Think yeah. he, I don't think he played any games that yeah. year. But, <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, Pavel. Does the playoffs include as well? Are we going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. So it's um, five more. Let's see playoffs. Daryl Armstrong. Some four like pretty big names and then one name that uh he didn't get a lot of playing time but uh there's big four names other. like actually yeah. that got playing time oh yeah yeah 
Oh, who am I missing? Uh, rookie year. A couple uh, starters. I'm missing starters? <laughs> Two, yeah. Jason Terry, Josh Howard, Dirk. One of them was – no, no. One of them, he's like the – I don't know exactly what – assistant GM, something like that these days. Oh, Michael Finley. Duh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. There Michael Finley. Uh, okay. Four more. And three guys that got significant playing time and one who maybe played like a handful of minutes a couple times. Okay. Um, not Josh Powell. That was – No, that was second no, year. Second but, year. Uh, uh Another guy who came in from a trade who was there like midway through the year, he came in for a trade, um, came from Milwaukee, from Milwaukee to Dallas for Calvin Booth. I'm going to need help with that one. Keith Van Horn. We got him my rookie year? Yeah. He played. Oh, yeah. Did. Yes, we did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then yeah. three more. One guy you already mentioned, actually, as someone you still keep in touch with. Marquise. Uh, no, 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 different. Yeah, he's oh. a coach. He's a, co- a coach now. Oh. In college. Uh, well, Marquise is a coach too, but uh, another yeah. guy who's coaching at uh, Vanderbilt. Oh, Jerry Stackhouse. I said, yeah. Did I say Jerry? Oh, Jerry. Oh, if you did, I totally missed okay. it. My bad. Yeah, and then, Jerry. And then two centers. Um, not DJ Mabanga. Yeah, DJ's one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the one, the starter. Who we started center? Um, it was his first year with Dallas too. But he had come over from uh, uh, Golden State previously. No, no, that's not him. Uh, I mean, help with that one. Give me a damp. Uh, damp. Oh. Um, okay. But yeah. So yeah, you did pretty good till that last little stretch there. So you got you got a lot of the names. Devin, thank you so much for for meeting with me today. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad to hear that uh, things are going well. Um, for you and your your post playing career, and I know Mavs fans look forward forward to seeing you on uh, more game coverage this year. So that'll be great too. Absolutely, uh, appreciate you having me. I had a fun. Yeah, thanks. All right. Well, I uh, hope you have a good afternoon, and uh, I'll I'll be sure to tell Alan thanks for for getting this all set up for us. So absolutely, and congratulations. Uh, you had just had a baby, right? I did. Yeah, three weeks yeah. ago today. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I got uh, my second my second boy. I've got two boys, a, a two year old. And a three-week-old. So, <laughs> yeah, I got my hands full. But uh, there you the, go. The, the older one's at daycare. So, and my wife's with the baby right now. So, okay, very cool. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. I appreciate okay. it. Have a good afternoon. No problem. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye.